Thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. I want you today to push everything out of your mind that is bothering you, that is troubling you, that that eats up your, your hard drive space in your brain. And I want you to believe that God is real and that he has something to say to you today and that you are not just here to be in church. But you are here by divine appointment from the God who created everything, and he wants to talk to you today. From the pulpit to the sound booth, wall to wall, God has something to say to everybody, and if you'll listen, he'll talk. Listen in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, We Need God. To give us strength. Pray with me. God, we do need you, sir, to give us strength. Lord, there are people who are hurting in this world and in this community. People hurting in this room, Lord. We all have issues, God. We all have pains. We all have baggage. We all have struggles, Lord. We're all in our process of growing and maturing, Lord. Help us, God, to be all that you've called us to be, Father. We need your help to love this community right. We need your help to love you right. We need your help to love each other right. God, I pray today you'd anoint me to say the things that you'd have me to say. And let us listen today, God. Let us hear your voice from your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We need God to give us strength. We talk a lot about spiritual battles at this church because we're in a fight. The Bible declares that from the beginning to the end. There is the, the, the bright side and the dark side. There's good and evil. There's forces at work all the time. And we need to realize that we need help to win the fight. Now, we got a big fight going on tonight. People ask all the time, are we having church tonight because of the Super Bowl? We had church in a hurricane, okay? We don't cancel church at Abundant Life. If it's just me and a handful of people, we're still going to come and worship God. But there's a big fight going on tonight uh, in San Francisco uh, let, me, let me just see it. Go ahead. Some of y'all don't care, but let me just see how many of y'all believe the Panthers going to get it done. All right. You're on record now. I'm, I'm taking mental snapshots. All, all y'all. I got you on video now. How, how many of y'all believe that the Broncos going to get it done? It, Eleven Bronco fans. In, I'm snapshotting y'all too. All right. I, I would say how many people going to come to church to praise God because he's better than Peyton Manning and Cam Newton. Amen. Hallelujah. But it's going to be an exciting game. But here's, they all, they don't all, some of them know, and some of them are actually praying for God to give them strength in this game. We might not have a Super Bowl to play tonight, but we've got the Super Game of Life to play every day. And here's one thing, if you don't get nothing out of today, get this. There are no do-overs. This is not a trial run. This is not PlayStation. This is not Xbox. There's no reset. You, you don't get to start over. You, 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 don't, you don't get to just say, oh, well, now I can get back in the game. No, you will not get this day back. You will not get yesterday back. And the devil wants to cause us all to procrastinate because procrastination will ultimately steal your dreams because if you get in your mind that you're going to do, you're going to do, you're going to do. Going to do is a fairy tale land that never gets nothing done. you got to get out of going to do. Well, as soon as we get past Valentine's Day, I'm going to do better. Soon as spring break comes, as soon as we, listen, the, the calendar is set up that we would procrastinate over everything. Do you know every couple of weeks there's some holiday, some date of note, some day to think about where you can say, well, soon as I get past my birthday, soon as I get past her birthday, soon as we get past the summer break, there's always something in your way. But the Bible says this is the day the Lord has made. If you're going to be anything for God, you got to make it up in your mind. Today is the day. We're, we're in this life, and this life is a struggle. 
That's why I don't waste time. I mean, I don't don't send me emails about it. Please don't. I got plenty of emails to read with it without negativity in my life. But I don't watch Christian television for preaching. I don't. I've, I've watched too much of it, and and all I hear is uh, send me your money, and God's going to bless you. Well, if, if they believe that, why are they begging for my money? Why don't God just bless them for them sending me? Why don't they send somebody their money? I mean, I just don't, I don't believe, I've read the book too many times, I don't believe that God promised us sunshine and roses every day. He never promised easy. He promised it'd be worth it. He didn't say you'd have this without a struggle. He said you will have struggle, that there would always be tribulation. If you are alive, listen, you don't ever have to sit back, scratch your head and wonder, but why me? Why am I going through? The Bible says your brethren around the world are going through the same stuff you're going through. You didn't mess anything up. You're not uniquely awkward. You might be different. You might be special. But you are not going through any more than anybody else. Listen, everybody has struggle. And we need help for the struggle. We need God to strengthen us so that we won't quit. Look, you can look around, take some mental snapshots of your own at who's in the room right now today. Guess what's going to happen in six months? Some of these people are not going to be here. Some people are going to be gone. Now, if they leave here, move somewhere, go off, get involved in another church that believes in Jesus the only way to heaven, and they're serving God and following God, that's awesome. That's, that's no strain at all on the kingdom. But if they leave here and just sit at the house and complain and don't do anything, that's trouble. That's trouble because the church numbers are shrinking, but the dope numbers are climbing. The, the church numbers are shrinking, but the incarceration rate is climbing. The, the church numbers are shrinking, but teen suicide and gang involvement and racism is climbing. See, we've got to realize that God really does have the answer. Does anybody believe that? God has the answer. But if we don't learn how to let him give us strength, we're going to get tired. We're going to quit. Everybody that's been in church for any length of time knows people that used to be in church. Pastors that used to be pastors selling insurance now. Deacons that used to be deacons selling cars now. Teachers that used to teach. Ushers that used to ush. Greeters that used to greet. Talkers that used to talk. Listen, musicians that used to muse. Whatever. Singers that used to sing. I mean, people that used to be serving in church not couldn't find them right now with a search. FBI or the IRS couldn't find them. Why? They used to be here, but they're not. Why? What happened? They ran out of strength. They ran out of strength, and they faded out. And we need to learn how to let God give us strength before that happens to us. I believe the two main reasons why we get weak in this fight, because we're in a fight whether you believe it or not. There, there is an enemy out there who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said that that's his purpose, to come to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal everything good out of your life. He wants to kill every hope and destroy every dream that you've ever had. Jesus said on the flip side, he came to give us life, and he came to give us an abundant life. But this fight causes us to get tired, and I think the two biggest reasons we get tired and weak in this fight, number one, is our strength is not being replenished through constant times of refreshing. The Bible says that this word is food for our inner man. If you're not feeding your spiritual side every day on the word of God, you are going to become spiritually weak. If you're not replenishing, if you're not renewing your mind, see, even the best Christians in the room, and we got some people serving God at a high level at Abundant Life, but let me tell you what, you are at the highest danger of anybody from losing all your strength. Oh, no, not me. I'm, I'm hardcore. I'm fire-baptized, uh, spirit-filled, de- devil-chasing, de- de- demon-casting out, champion for Christ. Listen, if you go, 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 if you do, 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 if you're always, 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 always on, if you are serving, 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 but when you go home, all you have the strength to do is collapse on a bed. If when you go home, all you can do is fall asleep over your dinner. If you're not taking time at your house to read your word and get on your knees and pray, all that doing you're doing for God right now is going to falter. Everybody got quiet on me. But I'm telling the truth. We need times to refresh ourselves. That's why I tell people in ministry, you've got to serve or, or you, you've got to minister out of the overflow. 
Now, I'm country as a chicken foot, so I don't put my finger up to drink nothing, all right? That's not me. But think about Sadiddy people that have a cup and a what? Saucer. Well, y'all are going to fail every SAT day. Every, well, good thing we're out of school. Listen, cup and a saucer. When, when, when you're living life, picture your life like a cup and a saucer. Everything that's in that cup is for you. Everything that spills over into that saucer, if, if God just filling your cup up so heavy, that if you're just feasting on the Word of God so much that it's just pouring out your cup and spilling over into your saucer, you're supposed to minister out of the overflow. The saucer's for everybody else. The saucer's for your family and your children. The cup is for you. You better drink from the cup of God's well every day. And don't give away to other people what God has for you. Because you're going to run out of strength. If you give all ministry out, if all you listen, ladies, if you're wifing all the time and momming all the time and you're not ever getting refilled and refreshed, you're going to falter and fail. Listen, dudes, if you're just dominating and being a man all the time, being dad, being king of the mountain everywhere you go, it doesn't matter how alpha male, I'm the most alpha male that ever lived. You got to refill at the well of God's blessing. You just can't go all the time. You got to refill. That's that's number one reason, I think. The second reason is because too many people are fighting the battle on their own. We were taught to fight battles. We were taught to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We were taught to put our shoulder to the wheel and our nose to the grindstone. We were taught to hit the hole and hit it hard. We were taught to go out there and get it done and don't quit and always be about it. When we come to Christ, we're, we're told that you can't do that in the kingdom of God. you got to rest in God and let him fight for you. That's the hardest thing for some people. That little girl, blonde-haired girl, made a lot of money on that Jesus Take the Wheel song, but she shouldn't have had to have been spinning around on some ice storm about to die in a car crash to realize that Jesus is supposed to take the wheel. Some of y'all going to have to look that up. I see people like, what is he talking about? She made four zillion, bozillion, quintillion dollars on that song, but she, she waited till her life was spinning out of control before she cried out for Jesus to take control. You see, and that's the problem. Most of us are driving our own lives. Most of us are in charge of our own deal. Most of us are living in our own power. And, and we don't call on God until it's almost too late. We don't call on God until things spiral out. We don't call on God until they're about to repo everything and you've been hiding the car in the garage so long you can't even get the door open anymore. Listen, we don't know how to call on God daily. We call on God in emergency, and that's the wrong way to do it. We need to let God be first in our life every day so he gives us his power and we're not operating in our own power. Because the Bible says the battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. Well, if we're in a fight and we're the ones fighting, we're going to get tired. If we're in a fight and we're just watching our champion do all the whooping, they doesn't get tired about that. Listen, I promise you this. If you're a Carolina fan and they're winning by 30 today, you ain't going to feel tired watching that game. You're going to be smiling and excited and happy. But, but if you're a Denver fan and they're losing by 30, you're going to be like, as soon as the halftime show's over, let's, let's just go to church. I mean, seriously. I, I saw something on, on the Internet this week. They said you should be as excited to be at church on Sunday as people are excited to watch the Super Bowl on Sunday. But then they said something I didn't agree with. They said, so if your preacher makes a good point, run up and dump some Gatorade on his head. No, but get excited about being in church. Listen, you don't get tired of doing stuff you love. You don't get tired of watching somebody that you love whoop up on somebody. You don't get tired of watching your team dominate. We are supposed to be cheerleaders for Christ, but too many of us are in our own battle. We're fighting our own struggle. We're doing our own. And listen, everything in the kingdom can be done in your own. I can preach without God's help. I can lead you to Christ without God's help. I, I can lead worship without God's help. Everybody can sing without God. Listen, these musicians can play without God's help. Our, our parking lot attendants can park without God's help. Our nursery workers can nurse without God's help. Listen, you can do everything inside the church in the power of the flesh. The Bible says there's a difference between operating in the power of the flesh and in the power of the Spirit. One reason why so many Christians fall out and get tired, frustrated, bitter, and negative, and the one-time most servant-hearted person in the church now becomes negative and weighed down is because they were operating in their own strength. 
and we got to learn how to tap in. We got to learn how to let God give us his strength because you can only operate in the power of the flesh for so long. That's why the average minister only stays in his church between 18 and 36 months, depending on if he's a youth minister, social pastor, worship leader, or senior pastor. They, none of them stay typically more than three years. Why? Because they operate in the flesh for so long, they give out. And they got to go quit and go start somewhere else all over again. That's why I thank God that we got longstanding people in this church. We got deacons been serving for over a decade. God has graced me to be here from day one, 14 years, not planning on giving up anytime soon. But God has to be our strength. We have to operate in God's strength or we're going to fail. The Bible says if God doesn't build the house, all your labor is in vain. If you're trying to get something done, if you're trying to have a good marriage and God's not the center of it, all your hard work is going to come up short. If you're trying to get your finances together and God's not the center of it, all your work is going to come up short. we got to learn how to tap in. The Bible says that God can give you power. Why wouldn't you want that? The Bible says God can be your strength. Why would you try to fight a battle on your own? Listen, if, if somebody's coming up in this down this middle aisle right now, I'm... I'm less than a year off a major double back surgery, and I'm old anyhow, if somebody was coming down this aisle right now and they said, I- I'm, I'm going to fight you, I'd be like, no, you, you can fight Deacon West. Why would I want? He's right there and ready. He pledged his life for me already. You're not going to get on this stage with Henry West sitting on the front row. That's not going to happen. But why? W- I'm not even going to sweat myself. I don't want to get my suit. I just had this suit clean. I'm not going to come down there and get all dirty with you. Not when there's somebody more capable, stronger, more, more, more ready and able to do that work for me. Why would you not want God's power to come on you so you could enjoy watching the victory instead of seeing yourself fall behind? Is anybody hearing what I'm talking about? We got to learn how to get God's strength. So if you feel a little weak today, you're in the right place. If you ever felt like you're about to run out of strength, you're in the right place. I got good news for you because the Scripture says you can't have his strength until you run out of yours. Well, I want to tell you something. We're all about out of strength, and that's just real. If you don't know that, you're in trouble. If you realize it, then you're in a good place, and you can finally see what real power is by letting God give you his power. Let's look at the word. First verse we looked at, verse 28 says, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There's no searching of his understanding. Here's what I want you to see out of verse 28. God never faints, and he never gets tired. You see that? The God that created everything, he doesn't faint, and he doesn't get weary. Other versions say he doesn't get tired. I am so excited about the fact that God doesn't faint and that he doesn't get tired. Listen, the devil wants you to think this, and I thought this for a long time, that God is tired of you. God tired of you failing. God is tired of you promising and coming up short. God is tired of you asking forgiveness for the same stuff over and over. But I want you to know God doesn't get tired. God doesn't give up. See, we, we as people, we have, we have cliches and phrases for what we go through. You might have heard somebody say, I'm at my wit's end. I, I, I'm, or they, dude's on my last nerve. I'm about to blow it. I'm about, I'm about to snap. Listen, God don't have a snap point. God doesn't have a last nerve for you to step on. God doesn't have a breaking point. God doesn't get tired. He doesn't faint. God doesn't fall out. We, we as people, we, we get nervous, and if, if you've been saved for any length of time, it's going to happen or it's already happened. You're going to sit down one day and think, I wonder what God really thinks of me. Train wreck that I am misfit that I am, failing all the time, not as good as I wish I was. What, what does God really think of me? How, how can I keep asking him to help me? You're going you're gonna to have, the devil wants you to think, I, I probably got to be the worst Christian on the planet. I must be the worst child that God's got in the whole family of God. And, and, and if you're going to wonder, I wonder how tired he is of me. Because listen, I'm going to tell you something. We as parents, we get tired. Oh, I know, your little perfect children never wore you out. Listen, let them talk about me. And my kids know. I got wonderful kids because, because they, 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 they love me and they fear the belt. Hallelujah. The Bible says beat them early. Beat them when they're young. They'll learn good. But, but my kids, we were talking about it just the other night. We were out at dinner, 
And, and, and Seth's like, Dad, you just got that. And he's like, Dad, show me that look. He said, Dad, you just got that. When you put that look on him like that. I'd say nothing. Man, I see these parents begging their children to sit down. Comp- I'd beg my children to do nothing. I'd just let them know. This belt is about to swing loose. And, and they know when my nerves are bad. They know when I tell them that's it. And I just do so. They know if I'm on the phone talking business down the back seat of the car, just that right there. It's shut down. Both of them look out opposite windows, don't even look at each other. That's it. Why? Because I get tired. I get wore out. My nerves are bad. I've been running on empty for too long. I need God to give me some strength. And as parents, we get tired of telling these kids the same thing over and over and over again. And you know that you used to wear mom and them out. You know they were tired of you. So we naturally got to think God must be tired of me too. And if you ever wondered what he really thinks of you, I want to tell you what the Bible says. And I I know Uncle Ken can appreciate this because this is his favorite verse in the Bible. Uh, Happy birthday to you for your verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. Listen to what God said. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. One verse said to give you a hope and a future. Listen, God knows what he thinks about you, and it's good stuff, not bad stuff. <laughs> oh, man, y'all ought to be throwing money in the air right now. You're just going nuts. God has good thought. Listen, you know your mom and daddy didn't always think good about you. I told y'all, I had schemes on my parents. My mom had to come pick me up from school. I got suspended, expelled so many times, they had to move counties just to keep me in school. Listen, I'd get in the car. My mom would come pick me up from school, take me home. She'd have to take off work. And, and I, I always thought if I could get her talking, it would loosen up that belt a little bit. She wouldn't go, you know, as wild as she, as she would go. Uh, and she, I told y'all before, she'd tell me, boy, it don't matter how many questions you ask and how many times you ask me about my day. I'm beating you when we get home. And I knew that I was on her nerves. I knew that she didn't always think the best of me. But listen, I've got a heavenly father that created everything, and he thinks good stuff about me no matter what you think about me. My God loves me. My God has good thoughts to think about me, and if you're saved, God has good thoughts to think about you. He's not tired of me. Listen, I'm going to tell you, this gave me so much freedom years ago. The devil, the devil thought he had me beat down, had, had me wore out. And I'm thinking, God is just tired of me stumbling. God has got to be tired of me not getting this thing right, not getting this thing together. And I read this verse, and I realized if God can't get tired, he can't get tired of me. And you need to tell yourself every day, God's not tired of me yet, and God's not done with me yet. And if I stumble and if I fall, I'll get right back up. And God's not going to get tired of me stumbling. God is not going to get tired of me failing. God is not going to give up on me because God cannot be tired. That is good news to me. Realizing that he's not tired of us, he's totally in love with us, I want you to see this morning how to tap into his strength, though, because as a good child of God, we we don't want to just lean on the fact that he loves us anyhow. We, we want to do what he's called us to do, and we can't do that in our own strength. That's why some of y'all are miserable coming to church. That's why some people are miserable trying to read the Bible, trying to pray, because the only person that can be a good Christian is Christ. If you're trying to do all this on your own, if you're trying to do all this without God's help, that, that's not doable. So I want us to look inside this passage we read today and see three things that we have to do to get God's strength. Number one, we have to faint. Say faint. Look at verse 29. He gives power to the what? He gives power to the faint, semicolon. Always pause on the punctuation. Stop, think about it, digest it, get it down on the inside. God gives power to the faint. So if you want God's power, what do you got to do? You got to faint to get his power. Now, that word power comes from a Hebrew word that means mighty, forceful ability. See, that's what everybody on that field is praying for today. They, they don't want to just do okay. They, they want to be forceful. They want the best of the best. They, they want to bring their A game. Listen, if you want God to empower you for your A game, you need God to give you strength. The first thing you got to do to get his power is what? Faint. You have to faint 
to get God's power. See, I want that forceful ability. I want that mighty strength. I want that divine enablement on my life that empowers me to do more than I could do on my own. If you read stories about people in the Bible, they weren't great people. God never chose the great, the high, and the mighty. The Bible says God chose the lesser things of the world to confound the mighty, to confound the wise. The Bible said not many mighty, not many noble, not many wise people did God choose. He chose the lesser people. These people in the Bible that did great stuff, they weren't great. People doing great stuff in the earth today aren't great. The God they serve is great. The power he's able to put in them is great. And we got to get that power so we can be all that God wants us to be. Listen, you don't have to do it on your own. And if you try to do it on your own, you're going to fail. You can get God's power, but the first thing you got to do is what? Faint. How, How do I faint? Well, that's what qualifies me to get his power is fainting. So listen to what that word faint means. To lack strength. To be weak and dizzy to the point of falling down and possibly losing consciousness. To be weak and dizzy. Listen, you don't have to admit that you're dizzy-headed. You don't have to admit that you're dazed and confused. But people are sitting around you know you are. You don't have to admit that you're running on fumes, but God knows the reality. You don't have to admit that if God doesn't strengthen you, you're not going to get through the week, but God knows the reality. The number one thing, according to the Scripture, that we have to do to get God to put this massive, forceful, strengthening ability in us is to pass out. Just fall out. Just, just, just say, just, just go straight Shaka Khan. I can't do no more. I can't. Just, I'm just done. I'm all out. I'm done. I did all I can do, and I can't do no more. I'm done. Woo! Fall out. Listen. Give up. Stop trying to be all that. Stop trying to look like the king of the mountain. Stop trying to act like you can do the work of a hundred people and realize that you need God's power. And the only way you're going to get that power is to faint. Listen, when you faint, you drop everything you're doing. You let go of stuff that's in your hand. You give up what's on your mind and you just fall down. And when the church begins to fall down at God's feet, when he picks you up, you're going to have his strength in you. But if you're not willing to fall down, if you're not willing to give up, if you're not willing to lay down and let God do something in you, then it's not. Listen, I can fall down. My my kids know. I sleep while I drive. I mean, I'm in a chair, at the table, in the bed, on the couch, in a recliner. Listen, I know how to fall down. Uh, Listen to what I didn't say. I didn't say you have to be a genius in God's word to get God's strength. I didn't say you have to be the greatest prayer warrior on the planet to get God's strength. I didn't say you have to be a great preacher or a great singer to get God's strength. I didn't say you have to memorize all 66 books of the Bible to get God's strength. You don't have to be the smartest, the strongest, the prettiest. You don't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer. You don't have to be the brightest bulb in the pantry. All you got to do is faint. Listen, you can do that. Just, just do this. Go. That's all it is. You... You can do that. What does it mean? Stop trying so hard to be Superman. Let God be super in you. Stop trying so hard to be superwoman. Let God be super in you. See, but to do this takes humility. See, proud people don't faint. That's the thing. Proud people, they they just, I'm going to buck up. Proud people. I mean, I've been. I've stood in parade formation. We stood in parade formation for seven hours one day. It was incredible. They just did it to make us faint. Nine hundred degrees outside. They had ambulances on both sides of the parade field. If y'all been in the army, y'all know about this. Y'all navy, y'all don't know nothing about that. But ambulances on both sides of the parade field, and we are there. Now, attention is easy. You can fake attention all day long. There's a whole lot to that, holding your arm down by your side, put your thumb on the crease of your pants. You're good to go with that. Parade rest, oh, snap. Well, now you got to have this spread apart like this, put some strain on the lower back, and you got to have this jacked up all the way in the small of your back and the other one right there with it. Now, my shoulder's already getting tired because I'm old. Uh, But standing like that for seven hours in the heat and people not Shifting their weight, not flexing their knees, not doing what they have to do. They, um, and you could just see them. They'd just be like. 
And what you're supposed to do, if you're going to go, bam, 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 and walk off. Faint behind everybody. Don't faint in front of the old man. He'll come step on you. Listen, but, and what's hilarious is when they go to do that, when, when, they, when they go to do boom, 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 and just fall out. Every, tried to take me out right there. Fall out. Listen, but they resist it. They fight it. Why? Because they want to look tough. They want to look hardcore. They want to make it through that whole day and just make everybody mad because they, they get mad if you don't fight. They're trying to get you to pass out in that heat. But they want to be strong. Proud people don't like to faint. Proud people want everybody to know, oh, when all the rest of y'all faint, I'm going to be standing. When everybody else gives up, I'll still be bucking up under it. Put, put extra load on me because I can handle it. You are not qualified to get God's power in you with that non-humble, proud mindset. The thing that qualifies you to get his power is you have to be willing to let go, to give up, and to fall down. The second thing that we got to do, is to have no might. Say no might. Put verse 29 back on the screen. We see it says it gives power to the faint and, say and, not just the faint, but to them who have no might. Well, this is sounding like a whole, a whole group full of wimps at this point. Hooray! Hooray for wimps! Because it, God is not trying to help anybody who thinks they're all that and is strong. I told y'all about the pickle jar. I'm going to tell y'all one more time before, before we get out of here. The pickle jar story. I have seen people in my house from small children, women, housekeeper, nanny, people trying to open pickle jars. And I just look over and be like, need some help with that? No, I got it. <laughs> okay, you got it. I bought that pickle jar. I know what that's about. All right. Knocking it on the counter, running water on it, prying it up with a spoon, just uh, 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 uh. You need some help with that? No, I got it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. I'm not getting out of the recliner. Why, why would I stand up and help somebody? I, I, you got it. Well, get it, big boy. Knock yourself out. Break your wrist. Go ahead. But when they say, hey, Dad, you can you help me with this pickle jar? I love to stand up, take nine steps to the kitchen. That's all. Why? Because I can. They can't, but I can. And see, the one who can, when you sit back and say, God, I cannot handle this pickle jar in my life. I ain't strong enough to deal with it. Then God steps up off the recliner and just on your life and makes things better. You need to quit struggling and straining with that pickle jar of your life, and you need to let God get involved in your situation because the one he's giving strength to is not the strong. He's giving strength to fainters and to people who don't have any might. Listen, listen to the definition of this word might. Power, authority, or resources within you. If you realize I don't have no power in me, I don't have no authority or no resources in me in and of myself. What, what did the great Christian say? In my flesh dwells no good thing. What, what, what did the great Christian say? It, it's not me but Christ in me. When you start thinking that you got it together, that's when you're set up to fail. But if you can realize I, I can't do any of these things that I'm doing on my own, I must rely on God. It's like Martin Luther said, I have so much that I have to accomplish today, I must spend the first three hours in prayer that God will give me wisdom to get it all done. We don't do that. We're like, man, I got a busy day today. I better hit it. I better get out there. I got to make hay while the sun is shining. I better go to work hard. We don't even stop to read the Bible or pray. Do you realize God can get more done with 23 hours of your day than you can get done in 24? Oh, I wish you'd believe that. We've got to learn how to confess that we are not strong, that we are not mighty, that we are not powerful, because if we had that on ourselves, why would you need Jesus? That's why it blows me away to see proud Christians. You know what you are? If you, if you confess Christianity, what you're saying is, I couldn't make it on my own. I needed somebody bigger than me, better than me. I needed somebody outside of me because I didn't have what it take to make the cut. I couldn't get to heaven on my own. I needed Jesus. And, and if you understand that, then you realize that the power is not about you. It is about Jesus. Now, when most people get dizzy and fall down, 
the first thing they try to do is get back up. And if they struggle and, and stumble and stagger and get back up, they're probably just going to fall down again. But if they just lay there and, and let, the, let the paramedics come over, pussle them smelling salts below their nose, give, give, them, give them a little Gatorade, boost, boost up their, 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 their hydration, then when they go to stand up, they are going to be better. What am I saying? You got to faint. You got you to realize I don't have any strength in me. I don't have any authority in me outside of Christ. I got no resources in myself. You got to realize that I can't get back up because I don't possess the ability to do all this stuff to me. Now, listen, I know you can do the first part. I know you can just lay down, take your hands off everything and say, I'm done. I know you can do the second part if you find some humility and say, I, I don't have the strength to get all this stuff. I can't be the man God wants me to be without his help. I can't be the woman God wants me to be without his help. I can't be the person God wants me to be without his help. You got to realize that when, 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 when you fall, you, you got to be like, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Y'all remember that old lady? I saw that commercial about a month ago. I'm like, what? Is this a, sp- is this a spoof? Are they, are they clowning me? They, I said, they're really running that commercial again. I've fallen and I can't get up. Listen, you know who's going to get help? Her. You know why? Because she realizes she needs help. Go to a swimming pool. My swimming pool where I live, I, I live, uh, Elder Robin and I live in the same neighborhood um, in Eagle Landing. Got a beautiful swimming pool, aquatic center. Uh, and got all these pools, diving boards, lifeguards everywhere. Listen, all the kids hate the lifeguards. Why? Beep, beep, beep. No running. And they look at the lifeguard like, I'll kill you. If I had a rock, I'd bust your head. They, they hate the lifeguard. That's Uncle Bobby. Y'all don't remember Uncle Bobby. Let me keep going. They hate the lifeguard. No playing, no wrestling, no horse playing in the pool. 79 miles away. While everybody out of the pool, I heard thunder out of my good ear. Thunder. 30 minutes out of the pool, everybody. That's the rule at Eagle Landing. Kids hate the lifeguard. Why? Because they don't believe they need the lifeguard. And the lifeguard doesn't jump to their rescue. Lifeguard doesn't just go diving in the pool, grabbing people that are swimming. Lifeguard just sits on their chair. But when somebody is going under and screaming, help me, help me, that's the one that the lifeguard runs to, the one who realizes I need help. Listen, I'm not getting up off my recliner to open a pickle jar for somebody who thinks they can do it without my help. The lifeguard is not getting off that chair to go help somebody swim that doesn't think they need any help. But when somebody admits that they need help, that's when the rescuer comes forth. That's when the deliverer comes forth. We've got to fall down, realize I'm just going to stay down. I'm going to stay down until God helps me. I'm not going to try to keep doing this on my own. I'm going to learn how to depend on God. That brings me to the third and final point, and this is where most of us miss it. The third thing we have to do is wait on the Lord. Say wait. We have to wait on the Lord. So there's three things we got to do. we got to faint. That's easy. That takes no ability at all. It just takes humility. Second thing we got to do is we got to admit that we don't possess strength of our own sufficient for our task. If you think you can do it on your own, God will let you. If you admit that you need his help, he will show up for you. That's easy. It doesn't take any ability to ask for help. It just takes humility. Third thing, here's the hard part. We have to wait on the Lord. Look at verse 30. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Even the young men shall utterly fall. Now, this is a setup verse they set up. This verse doesn't have a lot of theology in it. It's setting up what's about to be said because most people think young folk can run all day, right? Now, everybody my age, anybody 50 or older, they, they tell everybody, man, when I was a kid, we used to run all day. We got up 530 in the morning. We, were out, we was out of the field playing till past dark. Mama had to come search for us. Street light come on. We went home. They come. We were run all day long. We walked to school uh, uphill both ways. I mean, we we when we were young, we could do everything, right? But because people have this concept that young people can go all the time, young men can just go 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 go. Well, this setup verse is saying, look, even teenagers get tired and weary. Even young men 
shall utterly fall. But look at what verse 31 says. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Another version says, they that wait on the Lord will have new strength given to them. And this is what I want you to get, new strength. I want you to get renewed strength. I want you to get it. But the way that you got to get it, you got to get through verse 28, verse 29, verse 30 to get to verse 31. You just can't get, people love to quote this verse. You see this verse on T-shirts, on door knockers, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That is what everybody wants to talk about. But you got to get through verse 28, 29, 30 to get to verse 31. And even once you get to verse 31, you got to do the waiting. You can't get to the renewing of strength. You can't mount up with wings as eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint until you wait on the Lord. This is my punchline. This is how we tap into the Lord's strength. We wait on him. See, it's okay for God to give us power when we faint, to increase our strength when, when we need him to, but we need this part. We need this new strength. Say new strength. We need him to renew our strength. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want regular strength. I want Hulk strength. A lot of people arguing about, you know, all these different Avengers. Don't mess with Hulk. Don't, don't rattle the cage of the green monster. I want, I want Hulk strength. I, I don't want just barely get by strength. I want kick the door in and just knock stuff over strength. I, I, I want I ain't tired at the end of the day strength. I, want, I beat up all the giants, and I'm still ready to go 15 more rounds strength. I want real strength. And God says that he can give you this type of strength if you will wait on him. Now, that word renew, they shall renew their strength, that comes from a Hebrew word that means to substitute by giving you something better than what you have. Listen, this is what God wants you to do. If you wait on him, he's going to substitute a better strength than the strength that you have. Now, listen, let me help some of the proud people in the room. If you're all that in a bag of chips already, if, 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 if you're strong as all day long, if, if you're the one that can't be taken, if you can't be faded by nobody, if you can stand when everybody else is falling, God's going to give you better strength than even what you got. That ought to make somebody happy. If, if, if you're barely making it on fumes, God will substitute that little bit of strength that you have for a better strength, for a new strength. But we got to learn how to wait on him. Say wait. Because we get this part messed up. I've had people tell me, how, how you doing, Sister Mabel? Well, Reverend, I'm just waiting on the Lord. What do you mean, just sitting in that chair waiting on the Lord? That's not, I mean, you, you might be waiting on your children to come home for Thanksgiving. That, like, that's not how you wait on the Lord. The word wait means to get wrapped up in and to focus on every detail. If you want to see what waiting really is, now listen, if I said go outside, sit in your car, and wait on me, that's the typical understanding we have of waiting. That's not what God means by waiting. You want to see waiting at a high level, I want you to go to Tampa. Next time you're in Tampa, I want you to call a restaurant called Burns Steakhouse, number one steakhouse in America, and you have to work there six years before you're allowed to be the head waiter. Six years before you're allowed to talk to the customer and wait on them. But let me tell you what, they wait on you. They wait, now, they, they, wait on, they wait on me at too high of a level because I like sweet tea, and they don't serve sweet tea. So they make you, make you fix your tea with that cancer-causing pink stuff, right? And if, if you've ever been to a place like that and you get your sweet tea just right, and then dude comes when you're talking and feels, oh, man, you just messed up my mix already. Uh, but at a place like that, these high-dollar places, they're standing there because one dude's job, all his job is, he's standing there like this towel over this arm, pitcher in his hand right there. Gets a little low. You can't. I'm like, I find, please, stop filling this thing up. I can't get my mix right with you filling it up all the time. But listen, when, when you don't even have to go to Burn Steakhouse in Tampa. Go to Sunny's on Bland and you see the hills. You, when you see that lady walking around with that iced tea jug in her hand, if your cup is full and you're not looking at her like you need anything, she's walking you by. If your cup, now see, Jake's got it all figured out because Jake likes to drink sweet tea. And, and Jake, he, he thought he was teaching me something. I'm 52 years old, son. I know all these tricks. Jake, Jake did this the other day. He said, this is how you do it, Dad. 
he slid his empty glass all the way to the edge of the table. So when she walked by, she couldn't miss that. Well, she wasn't putting anything in the full glasses. Why? Because they weren't crying out for anything. They acted like they didn't need anything. They wasn't low. They wasn't weak. They wasn't struggling. They weren't on empty. They're going around filling the full glasses. That is waiting on something. That is paying attention to detail. If I say, you know, a dignitary is going to be here today at 3 o'clock, and, and Deacon Mills, I want you to wait on him hand and foot. That don't mean sit outside and wait till he's done. Open every door. Pay attention to every detail. This is what the biblical concept of waiting is. It's getting involved in every detail of doing something for the Lord. Now, you, you ain't just, well, just waiting on the Lord. No, that, that's, that's, you know, that's waiting on the mail to come. That's, that's not the type of waiting God's talking about. God's talking about wrapping your life up inside him. Now, here's the way you can tell are you doing that. How often are you engaged in servitude? Because if you're not engaged in servitude, you're not waiting. Now, if you ask a server, now you got to call them servers now because waitresses got all mad because they want to be, you know, men. But not all of them. It's most of them. Don't want to be a waitress. Don't want to be a stewardess. You don't want to be a server because you can't call him a waiter and be a waitress. You got to be all servers. But if, if you're not serving anybody... You're not waiting on anything. Are you following me? So you want to know if you're qualified to get God's strength, you ask yourself, how much serving am I doing? How much labor am I involved in? How much tile am I laying? How much trash am I picking up? How much people am I helping? How much of the kingdom am I building? How often am I at the church? How, how often am I trying to bless my fellow man? If you're just waiting on the Lord, just sitting back, waiting on your ship to come in, listen, that ship sailed. It ain't coming back for you. Better get on down to the harbor and build one. Wait on the Lord. Takes work. Say work. It's about getting actively wrapped up in what God has for you. Now, if, if, you, if you're ready to faint, you're ready to take your hands off everything in your life, you're ready to admit, I just can't do it on my own, God. And you're ready to say, God, instead of focusing on my stuff, I'm going to focus on your stuff. That's what a waiter does. See, that's, that's why these, these little cheap restaurants, I don't like them because they adjust Waffle House. Let me tell you about Waffle House. I like Waffle House okay on 103rd. You can watch them cook your food. You know, they don't spit in if you keep a good eye on them. But it's so cold in there you can hang meat. I mean, you could just bring a slab of ice in there, wouldn't drip a drop. It's so cold. It'd be 50 degrees outside, 37 degrees inside the Waffle House. You know why it's that cold in the Waffle House? Because the servers there care more about their comfort than my comfort. And they're standing over a hot stove, and they're sweating. So what they going to do? They're going to the, they turn it down, make it cold on me. I got to go in there wearing a jacket and a hoodie. Because they're sweating. They're more concerned about their comfort than they are about my comfort. Listen, you go to Emeralds in Orlando, you go to Burns in Tampa, that's good. They're going to be concerned about the comfort of the customer. When you are waiting on God, what you're telling him, I'm more concerned about your stuff than my stuff. That waiter is not sitting back. Listen, now I told you about Sonny's and Cedar Hills. Go on up to Sonny's and Cedar Hills. Try, try, try to get a refill. Try to get a change on your order. When them two girls are standing by the salad bar leaning over, talking about what their man was talking to them about last, they're not paying attention to you. Why? Because they're not waiting on you at that point. When they're wrapped up in their own stuff, they're not waiting on you. This is the problem with most church members. We get caught up in us. We get caught up in our stuff. We get caught up in our house, in us four and no more. We get caught up trying to take care of our own stuff. But Jesus said in St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 33, that if you seek God first, everything else will fall into place. If you wait on God, all your stuff will get taken care of. If you go to work building God's kingdom, you'll just find all your stuff falling in place and be like, hey, hey. Got it going on. Got it, got it happening. Everything is working out right. Why? Because when you wait on God, when you pay attention to God's stuff, when you get involved in every detail of serving God and his kingdom, then your stuff just begins to fall into place. And that's when you can walk in the promise of verse 31. What's the promise? New strength. Not only that, it keeps going. That's not a period. That's a semicolon. They, they also can mount up with wings. Like eagles, they can run without being weary. 
and they can walk without fainting. Listen, that is supernatural. And most people aren't doing anything supernatural. Some people are doing some good stuff in their own power, but it's not supernatural. I mean, it's just it's awesome that they're getting it done. But it doesn't. Listen, to be able to run and never get tired, to be able to walk and never faint, that takes supernatural stuff. And the supernatural promises of this verse only come after you faint, have no strength, and wait on the Lord. Then you get to mount up with wings as eagles. Now, eagles, impressive bird. They say, I don't know. They say that an eagle can fly upwards of 200 miles an hour. That's pretty fast. They, they say that eagle soars higher than any bird, can soar over 10,000 feet in the sky and see a rabbit walking on the ground, they say. I don't know. But it's an impressive bird nonetheless. Pretty to look at, so much so that we made it our, our, our symbol, our national symbol. The eagle is majestic. The eagle is incredible. It's beautiful. It, it's a sight to behold an eagle flying in the sky. But listen, it's not the beauty of the bird that I want you to behold. It's not the height of the flight that I want you to see. It's the effortlessness of the eagle. This is what I want you to see that the, the Scripture is trying to say. You're mounting up with wings as an eagle. Not that you're going to be an eagle. I've heard preachers preach stories, walk with the turkeys or soar with the eagles. It's not about self-promotion. It's not about looking good. It's not about the beauty of the bird. It's about the effortlessness of the eagle. They mount up. Say mount up. You can either fly in your own strength or you can mount up like an eagle. There's a big difference going on right here. If you watch a hummingbird, if you watch a sparrow, if you watch a little small tiny bird, then wings just going like this. Why? They're doing everything they can to get flight. Eagle? No, sir. Eagle just. Why? Because they mount up with what? With their wings, but they're not mounting on wings. They're mounting on air. Say air. All throughout the Bible, air is a symbol for the Holy Ghost. Listen, Listen to how the eagle flies. He's not using his own strength. He's using the strength of the air to carry him. Watch an eagle not flap his wings for longer than any other bird in flight. Just and And gain altitude. Without flapping a wing. Why? Because he knows how to mount up on that air. He knows how to saddle that air and ride it. And it's time for Christians to learn how to saddle the the power of God's Spirit to elevate without effort. Because effort makes us tired. It gets us exhausted. Listen, he's not carrying himself through the air like that little mockingbird, that little hummingbird, that little sparrow. He is letting the wind carry him. He's riding the wind. I want you to get this picture this morning. When the eagle soars high in the sky, he's riding on, listen, something he cannot see, but is powerful. Now, if without all that setup, some of y'all would have still got it. Hopefully, everybody that's awake can get this. In as far as God's kingdom goes, can you think, okay, if you got the Trinity, you got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Inside the Trinity, which member of the Trinity would you say is most represented by something you cannot see but is powerful? This is the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit that God wants you to learn how to mount up on. When that eagle soars, he's, he's on something you can't see but is powerful. See, what he does, he sits there, and he's waiting, and he's watching. He's waiting. He's, he sits there on, on that perch, on that high perch, and he's just not in a hurry. He's not just jumping out there and start flapping his wings like a crazy bird. He's just waiting. He can't see it, but he knows it's coming. He can't see the wind no better than you can see the wind. Nobody can see the wind. You see the effects of the wind. You can't see the Holy Ghost. You see the effects of the Holy Ghost. He sits there, but he believes that when he launches out, that wind will catch him. So it takes faith to mount up. It takes faith in something that you can't see, but that you believe is powerful. Listen. One thing I can tell you, though, he knows he can feel it. You ever get to riding on the wave of God's Spirit? You ever let God start carrying you? You ever start letting the power of God's Spirit flow through you? You're not going to be able to see it, but you're going to be able to feel it. 
that's the picture of the spirit-filled life. It's, it's an effortless life. It, it's not flapping and working all the time. It's riding the wind of God's spirit so that you can run without being weary, so that you can walk without fainting, so you can fly higher than anything else without all your self-effort. Last thing I'm going to tell you, stop flapping your arms so hard. Stop trying so hard to get somewhere. Sit on the mountain and wait for God. Sit on your perch and wait for that wind to blow. You need to get out there just like this. You need to get on your day every day. Start your day right there. And say, here I am, God. I'm going to go where you want me to go. I'm going to do what you want me to do. You just direct me. And you just wait on God to send that wind. You wait on God to send that spirit. And you wait. And you wait. And when the time is right, boom. You just jump out there and you let God carry you and you let God guide you and you let God take you and elevate you higher even without that effort. I don't know about you, but I want God to give me power so I don't have to flap my wings so hard. It's hard being a Christian. It's hard trying to live right. It's hard not cussing out folk to cut you off on Blandy Boulevard. Is that just me? I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard to, to, to say praise the Lord when they cut you off and shoot you the bird like you did something wrong. I mean, it, it, it's hard always turning the other cheek. It's hard giving your best and taking the less. It's hard always letting everybody else have their way and you take the back seat. It's hard always giving extra money to every offering that comes along because you know nobody else. It's hard always being the one to step up. It's hard doing all these things until God lets you mount up on his strength. And he begins to carry you. He begins to take you. I want God to give me power. But that means I got to faint. That means I got to let go. That means I got to drop everything that's in my hand. Because if you hold stuff while you faint, you're going to break something. You get in the kitchen, hold your best piece of china. You know you're about to faint. You better set that down on the counter. Because if you ain't holding it, it's going to break something. It's going to leave a mess. That's why so many people's lives are in a mess. They fainted while they was holding on to things. Fainted while you're holding on to your family. Fainted while you're holding on to relationships. Fainted while you're holding on to finances. Fainted while you're holding on to different things. You got to set everything down and say, God, catch me. Because I'm about to faint. Just let go of everything and see if God can't give you strength. I want God to give me strength, so that means I have to admit I don't have any. Listen, I spend more time trying to convince y'all of that than any preacher I know. I spend more time saying that. When Gail was alive, she used to tell me all the time, baby, stop, stop telling people how crazy you are. You're not that bad. And I used to tell her, baby, I want them to know if God can use a dysfunctional, abused child like me, little west side throwaway kid like me, that he can use anybody. If they can ever realize that I'm an imperfect person, if they can ever realize that nobody's got it all figured out, that we're all a work in progress, that maybe they can believe that God could use them to do something awesome, we got to admit, I don't have the strength to do it. But I believe if I will wait on God, and when I sense that wind coming and I jump out there, that he will carry me. I want to run this race without being weary. I want to walk to the very end. A lot of people start in Christ, but a lot of people don't finish. Anybody can start a thing. It takes a champion to finish a thing. That's why I told my kids forever. Everybody wasn't, wasn't blessed to see Jordan play. If you didn't see Kobe play when he was younger, you, you weren't blessed to see something about real champions. One of the things about Jordan when he was playing, he had the same amount of gas in the fourth quarter as he had in the first quarter. When everybody else was sucking wind and, and falling out, Kobe was still pushing hard at the end of the game. Why? Because anybody can start a thing, but it takes a champion to finish a thing. I don't want to be that guy that used to serve God. I don't want to be that guy that used to uh, be active in the church. I want to be that guy that finishes well. I want to be that guy. I, I want to serve God all the days of my life. I want my last breath to be giving God praise. I want my last day to be glorifying God. I don't want to faint and fall out. I don't want to give up on what God has started in me. So I got to learn how to wait on God. I got to learn how to wait on God. Listen, let's pretend I had a big invitation today. 
And I said, everybody that knows they're running out of strength, don't jump up. But if I said everybody knows they're running out of strength and you want me to pray for you, come down the front. of the, And we just have, you know, two-thirds of the congregation will be down here. <laughs> what would that say about the people that stay? I'm strong enough. I don't need you. Head check. I'm not going to drag you down this aisle and say, if you know that you need God to give you strength to do everything that he's put on your plate to do, let me pray for you. I'm not going to drag you down here, but I am going to say this. If you know that you need God's strength, if you're humble enough to say, I know I can't be everything that I want to be without God's help, then you are in position to get filled up with God's strength. What you got to do is you got to start waiting on him. You got to start making his kingdom more important than your kingdom. You got to start making his deal more important than your deal. That means being in church when your back hurts. I ain't telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. That means pressing your way to midweek Bible study when it's easier to sit at the house. That means getting involved in serving in a ministry where you can use your gifts and your talents for the Lord. Some of y'all can sing. We need singers. Well, my life's not perfect. Just, ain't none of these people perfect. They ain't work for me. I ain't perfect. You want to be perfect to sing for the Lord? Some of y'all can play instruments. We need musicians. Some of y'all can do a little bit of everything. We need your help. This community needs to see a church doing more than just taking up money and building bigger buildings. We're putting money back into this community. All those banners back there leper colonies, orphanages, starving children around the world that we're sending money to. 13 churches that call me bishop in Africa that only they only eat because we send them money every month. And they write me Bible studies. And I give them Bible studies to follow. So I make sure that they're staying on point. 13 daughter churches in West Africa looking to us to help them. We need your help to get involved. It's great that we got six computers donated to us. They don't work. We need $300 to get them working. It's great that we got a building to house a computer lab and a community center in, but if the door gaps are so big that roaches, rats, and, and snakes can crawl up in there, we need to put some new doors on there. You need to get involved. If you don't have the money, you got to use the time. If you don't have the money, you got to use the talent. If you got all of it, you got to use all of it. And when you start getting your whole life wrapped up in God and His deal, you're going to find out your stuff's just falling together piece by piece I don't have to work hard at anything almost anywhere I go my kids I just look at them and smile they're gonna be like that's the tithe ain't it dad I said that is God's favor and that is the tithe we just have blessing follow us everywhere we go why because when you focus on God God will focus on you when you serve God and you make stuff good happen in God's kingdom God will focus on you and make good stuff happen in your kingdom. Stop sitting back wondering when you're going to get yours and you go out and you help God get his. You go bring somebody to church with you next time you come. You go make your job place a better place. You smile more. Be a better employee. Be a better student. Be a better human being. Be helpful. Be, be like a boy scout. Be, be courteous. Be kind. Be thrifty. Whatever all them things they were. Be that. And watch God begin to build your life in a better way. I want to ride the wind because flapping wings is too hard. I want God to carry me because at 52 years old and 210 pounds, that's a whole lot to be carrying by myself. I want God to give me strength because pastoring a church full of people with issues, I need strength. I need God's wisdom. You say, Pastor, you really believe we got issues? <laughs> yeah. All of us. That's why we fit. This place is for you. That's why you're here. But don't just sit all the time. Start waiting on God's kingdom. Start serving. 
get your hands on something for the Lord and do something with your life. When you begin to serve something bigger than yourself, you're going to realize life takes on a whole new meaning. you got purpose in life. you got fulfillment in life. You're a part of something that means something. Listen, if this world tarries for another hundred years, I'm not going to be here. We're not going to be here. But somebody's going to be talking about, I remember when that multiracial church came along on Georgetown off Firestone, and they started loving on these neighborhood kids and teaching kids to read and shutting down drug houses and grades started going up and our schools got better. They're still going to be talking about what God did when we leave this place. Concentrate on serving God and you'll find out. Admit that you're weak. Admit that you need strength. Every day. Every day get up and say, God, I need your help. I need you to give me your mind. Let me see things the way you see things. Let me think the way you think. Let me talk the way you talk. Let me act the way you act. And then as you go, just allow him to carry you. And when you start getting tired, here's what you need to realize. I'm flapping my wings, and I'm not getting anywhere. And you sit down with your word, and you read some Bible. When you start to get tired in serving God, realize I'm flapping my wings. And I'm getting tired. I'm not running without being weary. I'm not walking without getting tired. You get on your knees somewhere and you pray and say, God, strengthen me. Fill me, Lord. That Sunday's waitress not filling up full tea glasses. That Sunday's waitress not filling up tea glasses. People put their hand across the top when she comes by. But you hold that cup up like that and say, I'm on empty over here and I need some more. That's going to get filled up. Same way in God's kingdom. And every one of us needs to have the humility to say, God, I'm running on fumes, and I need you to fill me up. I'm not strong enough to do everything that a good Christian ought to do. I need you to give me strength. Start serving the Lord. We're about to have a step-up campaign. We need some people to start stepping up. You could come by. Monday through Friday from 3 to 6, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, one day a year, one day a month, read a book to one of these kids. You could come by and walk around the church property and pick up some trash and pray. You could come by and help fold some newsletters, help do some mail outs. You could come by and help answer some phone calls. You could come by and and help on parents' night out. Oh, that's going to be great for parents. What about all the people that got to sit here and watch all these kids? You could come by and help watch some kids. You could take one Sunday a year and keep the nursery. You could get involved in the youth group. We need to reach these teenagers for Christ. We need this church filled up with teenagers on Wednesday night. We're giving away free pizza, free subs, free food to these kids. Just You need to get teenagers up in this place and let them know, hey, y'all come. We're going to love on y'all. But you know what? If it's the same three people doing all the work, then it becomes the same problem with the school system. Teachers get overtasked. And then they get bitter, they get negative, and they turn into wardens and, and, and not educators. I don't want the people teaching our kids here to become that way. So we need to get more people helping. We need to get more people involved. We need to get more people taking a turn. Doing what? Waiting on God's stuff. And when you wait on God's stuff, he's going to give you a new strength. And then we'll see what God can really do when he gives us new strength. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us, God, to admit that we need you. Help us, God, to learn how to live on your strength. Help us, Lord, to be carried by you. Guide us, Lord. Direct us. Move us. Mold us. Shape us. God, I don't want to flap my wings all the time and not go anywhere. I want my life to honor you. I need you, Lord. Not my brother or my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I need you every hour. Help me, God, to do what you've called me to do. Help us all, God, to love you and to love each other the way we should. Thank you for your word, God. Teach us to wait on you as my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, 
please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org.